In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Good day, it's Father Tom. I'm glad to be with you today. We're waiting for Anthony. He's not here yet. But anyway, we're looking at the Acts of the Apostles, the 17th chapter. First of all, I want to pray for the church that lost their pastor last night, Pastor Miranda. I want to pray that the God would pour out his love upon this church and upon the pastor's wife and family, in Jesus' name. After Paul and Silas had passed through Ampipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, that's in Greece, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now we know what's going to happen. Paul is going to go into the synagogue of the Jews. Why? Because salvation is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from the Scriptures, examining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah, Jesus, whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks, and not a few leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the believers before the city authorities, shouting, These people have been turning the world upside down. I tell you, we need people that would turn the world upside down with the gospel. We need people how we are in need. Now this Spanish church has lost its pastor who's been pastor for years. Oh God, would you supply for what they need? And Jason has entertained them as guests. They were all contrary in the decrees of the emperor saying that there is another king named Jesus, yes. The people in the city officials were disturbed when they heard this, and after they had taken uh, bail from Jason and others, they let them go. So we see in Thessalonica, they were really troubled. Not many people believed. Now Paul and Silas go to Beroia. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas off to Beroia, and when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue again, Jew first, and then the Gentile. These Jews were more receptive than those in Thessalonica, for they welcomed the message very eagerly and examined the scriptures every day. What scriptures? Isaiah 53, Psalm 22 especially. 
to see whether these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, including a few Greek women and men of high standing. But when the Jews of Thessalonica learned that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Beroea, as well as they came thereto to stir up and incite the crowds, then the believers immediately sent Paul away to the coast, but Silas and Timothy remained behind. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions to have Silas and Timothy join him as soon as possible, they left him. Now Paul is in Athens. He's going to make a big mistake. Let me ask you what's the mistake he's going to make. Listen. Listen carefully. He's going to make a big mistake. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those that happened to be there. Also some Epicureans and Stoic philosophers debated with Paul. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. What's missing? The cross. He's missing the cross. He's got all these people who are well studied, and he does not preach the cross. He preaches the resurrection. And guess what happens? Not many people are going to become believers. Let's continue. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds very strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. That's sad. I've got nothing new to say for 38 years, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He took my place. He shed his blood for me and you, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Hallelujah. I don't have anything new to say. What about you? When's the last time you shared about Jesus? I let that go for Father Tom. Well, uh, Father Tom is just one person, and he needs an army to turn the world upside down for Jesus. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So he's going to try to tickle their ears. What therefore you worship is unknown. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it. He who is Lord of heaven and earth does not have shrines made of human hands, nor is he served by human hands. Though he needed anything, since he himself gives 
to all mortals, life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and boundaries in their existence and boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as one of your poets have said. Cease trying to milk what these people believe so that he can proclaim Jesus, but he doesn't proclaim the cross. For we too are his offering. Yes, he died for us so that we would be his offering. He rose for us that we would be his offering. For we too are his offering. Your life is Jesus' offering. Your life is his ministry on earth today. We are what Jesus is have. You want to lay down your life and be a holder of God's glory, a container of the glory of God, a container of the love of God. What can we offer him? We can offer him our life, our will, our love, our joy, our peace. He's fulfilled when you are fulfilled, and we're fulfilled when we know the purpose we're on this earth. And we're here to be loved by God and love God. Father, why don't you continue? For we are his offspring. We belong to him. He shed his blood for us. We have his DNA in us. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like made of gold and silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of men. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this has been given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, we will hear you again about this. They never came back. At that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysius the Areochabite and the woman named Damaris and others with them. You see, he wanted to be liked, even Paul. They were philosophers he was speaking to. He wanted to be liked, and it didn't work. The next line says in the verse 18, uh, chapter 18, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. I'm going to go to Corinth and see if he learned anything. For this message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. He learned something. You don't preach to people without preaching the cross. And you know what? That is a lost art today. Not many people preach the cross. How sad. 
We have seven newly ordained men. We need to pray for them. They are going from the seminary, which is a place where they are shielded, into the world in a place where the demons would want them. And they are all good men who love Jesus. Pray for them. Pray for them. You know, I was just, I was w watching a talk with this man. He was becoming Catholic from evangelical. And he asked the, he asked the priest and the people in the ICIA program, well, why should I become Catholic? What does a Catholic face have to offer me? And they told him only the cross. And the cross isn't preached. You know, we talk, we speak, and we rejoice in Jesus' resurrection and his love. But holiness comes and sanctity comes. And the offering of our lives come from picking up our crosses and carrying them as Jesus did. We so often want to be relieved of our crosses. But the thing is, the greatest gift which Jesus can give us from heaven are those little crosses he gives us because those are what sanctify our soul and gives us and gives you an interior life. You may have a family member that gets on your nerves, something wrong with you, something you don't like. Those are the greatest gifts from heaven that Jesus can give you. Because those little crosses give you sanctity, purity, humility. Those are the crosses that shape our soul. And in the world so often we want to change what we don't like about ourselves or blame that, you know, change. We want to change. We want to change the way we look. We're teaching young children that they can change their sex. It's just it's pervasive. But these are our crosses, and we carry them. And we surrender them to the Lord because these crosses take us to a place of surrender and a place of sanctity. So maybe you might have a tough relationship with your parents. It's okay. It's not to change them. It's to love them. It's to say Jesus in every situation of your life. You know, Jesus gives us situations moment by moment to get us to say, not my will, but your will be done. To just surrender to God second by second. Can you surrender to God? I maybe don't like the way I look, but it's okay. Because that might be a little cross. And out of it, God's taken out of me vanity. He's taken out of me lots of things. We want to carry our crosses. Because we see the cross Jesus carried. And then it's like Father Tom says, popcorn persecution. But, you know, when we're having a hard time in our life, Jesus tells us we want to meditate on his passion through the stages of the cross. Because as we understand the cross that Jesus carried and what he did for us, soon our issues, we realize they're really nothing. And our crosses are really gifts. When we can understand that, and this is what all the saints understood, that the greatest gift you can receive in your life are these little crosses that God gave you because as you begin to carry them and as you surrender to them and as you love God and praise him in everything, this is how we become sanctified. This is how we become holy. This is how our will becomes bended to God's will. Amen. Chapter 18 of Acts. After this, 
Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Hallelujah. And he preached the cross. There he found a new Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, what trade? Tent makers, tent makers. He stayed with them, and they worked together. By trade, they were tent makers. Remember, Paul said, I don't take money from these communities. I earn my own money by making tents. Every Sabbath, he would argue in the synagogue and would try to convince the Jews and the Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that the Messiah was Jesus. When they opposed and reviled him in protest, he shook the dust off his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left the synagogue and went to the house of a man named Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the official of the synagogue, became a believer in the Lord together with all the household. Why did they become believers? He preached the cross and resurrection, turning the world upside down one at a time. Again, how we need the preaching of the cross. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul became believers and were baptized. One night the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you to harm you, for there are many in this city who are my people. Has they become his people through the proclamation of the gospel? He stayed there a year and six months, teaching the word of God to the people of Corinth. A year and six months, always leaning on the cross of Jesus Christ. How we need to preach the cross. And I have said sometimes, we can never out-preach the cross, because the cross is our victory, the victory that has won us over to the Lord Jesus Christ, the cross, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. People are asking, do you know where you're going when you die? By the grace of God, I know where I'm going, by God's grace, and that's to Jesus, where I came from, that's to Jesus, who is Lord. That's to Jesus, who comes to me at the end of my life to take me to himself. I'm looking at chapter 18, verse 24. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He knew the Bible. Isn't that wonderful? He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with a burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. What didn't he know? Did not know the baptism of the Holy Spirit.
did not know that. Let's continue. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately, that Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and power. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly became, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. Chapter 19. When Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, No, we did not even know or heard that there is a Holy Spirit. You see, everything wasn't perfect. So what's Paul going to do? Going to pray with them. And Jesus is going to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Then he said, Into what then were you baptized? They answered, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about twelve of them. Twelve new believers. We have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. I tell you, for most churches, we take the Holy Spirit out on Pentecost, confirmation, and baptism. Then we put him away. When he should be the very source of the things that happen in our lives and in the life of the gospel. It's all about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God displayed. The Holy Spirit, we honor you, Holy Spirit. You're the sanctifier. You're, you sanctify us. The baptism of water purifies us from original sin. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what purifies us. When there's a sin that we can't lose, when there's a trauma that can't be, that we can't get over, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's all done by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, he was on the cross and he died and he went, but it was better that he goes because Jesus, when he was on this earth, could be at one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit resides within all of us. It's all power. He is all powerful. He's a person. He's everywhere. And he wants to come into your life, baptize you with the fire of the Holy Spirit and sanctify you. Fire the Holy Spirit, it consumes everything it touches. You know, and the cross is the power of God like we heard. Jesus, from the moment he was born on this earth, he lived to get on that cross. He showed the Father how much he loved him. And he gave us all salvation by going on that cross, by carrying his cross up Calvary. He not only was crucified, but he carried his own cross to his own death because of love for the Father. First, in love for us, second, and to open the heavens. 
It was very important in our lives that we realize that it's okay for us to carry the cross. It's okay to suffer for Jesus. When we suffer for Jesus, like Father Tom told me, there's joy in it. Because, you know, we, we're, sharing in, we're sharing in Jesus' life. We're sharing in his glory and his resurrection, which is easy, and we do. And everyone can do. But not everyone wants to share in his passion and some of his sufferings. But it's what we're called to do at times in our lives, you know? That redemptive suffering is a tenant of the Catholic faith. And once I understood that, it became joy over my life in any circumstance. Father Dan came, he said, there's no good days or bad days in the kingdom of God. There's only days of grace. When you have a day that's filled with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God, that's for us. When we have a day where we're struggling and everything might not go right, but we still carry our cross and offer it to the Lord, that's a day that rings in eternity, that sanctifies us, and a day that we show how much we love God. Can we show God how much we love Him? You know, in heaven there was a perfect love demonstrated between the Father and the Son. But there was only one way that Jesus couldn't show the Father how much he loved him, one type of love. And that was the love through suffering, because that didn't exist on this earth. The Father made this earth. He sent Jesus down to go on the cross, display a love that can only be displayed on this earth. That's a love through suffering that Jesus displayed for the Father on the cross. Regina Chaley Letare, Alleluia. Quia quem meruisti portare, Alleluia. Resurrexit sitcum dixit, Alleluia. Ora pro nobis Deum, Alleluia. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.